Welcome to Citizens Climate Radio. In this show, we highlight people's stories. We celebrate your successes, and together we share strategies for talking about climate change. I'm your host, Peterson Toscano. Welcome to episode 76 of Citizens Climate Radio, a project of Citizens Climate Education. This episode is airing on Friday, September 23rd, 2022. Since you are listening to this podcast, likely you're someone who is engaged in some sort of climate action, and this is good work. This is essential work, and this is hard work. You give a lot, and I imagine it takes a lot out of you. In our show today, you will hear about resiliency from three different guests. In the art house, American photographer and poet Susan Curry tells us about a new book she wrote for fellow artists, especially when we feel stuck. In Superflow, she provides insights, practices, and practical advice on how to maintain a fresh, creative, sustainable, artistic flow. We also introduce a new series called The Resiliency Corner. Tamara Staten is the Education and Resilience Coordinator for Citizens Climate Education. Collaborating on this new feature, Tamara has become kind of my personal resilience coach. And that's actually a good way to look at it. Being a climate worker is similar to being an athlete. It requires discipline, endurance, teamwork, and sometimes even drills to keep us at our top performance. And from Europe, Laureline Simon tells us about a weekly online meeting designed to give climate workers a space to feel, vent, and connect with other climate workers. We also have more good news about the Inflation Reduction Act, American climate legislation that was signed into law last month. We hear about what this bill has to offer for folks on the political left and the right. In today's show, we talk about resiliency for you and me as individuals doing climate work. If you are interested in a regular, ongoing discussion about local, regional, and national adaptation and the ways we use infrastructure, policy, and government to prepare for the impacts of climate change, then I encourage you to listen to Doug Parsons' America Adapts. A changing climate presents humanity with only one option, adapt. Join podcast host Doug Parsons on America Adapts. In this podcast, Doug interviews scientists, activists, policymakers, and journalists to discuss how society is going to adapt to all the climate impacts now and in the future. Drought, sea level rise, extreme events. The climate is going to change and we need to be prepared for it. Question your assumptions, refresh your perspective, and become part of the climate movement that will determine our planet's future on the America Adapts podcast. You can find America Adapts on all your favorite podcast apps or visit americaadapts.org. Laura Lane Simon has spent a lot of time in the climate world, and this led her to shift her work from mitigation to adaptation. She founded One Resilient Earth, an international nonprofit organization based in Bonn, Germany. But our purpose is to raise awareness about the multiple impacts of climate change, including our emotional and mental health, and also to help build the resilience of individuals, communities, and ecosystems 
to the combined impacts of the climate and the biodiversity crisis. And like many of us doing climate work, it's difficult for Laureline to answer the simple question, so what do you do? Depends on the age of the person, <laughs> I would say. I just say that because I interact a lot with my kids and friends of my kids, and they are the hardest people to answer, I guess, on that question. And I try to keep it very simple. So I say that I work on climate change, and whether they know about it or not. And I say that I'm working to prepare for all the impacts of what is happening at the moment in the world because of the change in the climate around us. I'm working with artists and scientists and community members to think about a better world, like a more beautiful world to live in, in which would have better ecosystems, meaning nature that is flourishing around us, in which would have communities that are working together and caring for each other, and individuals that are creative and willing to engage in having relationships with one another and with nature, including through the arts. Her climate career included coordinating Resilience Frontiers, an inter-UN agency collective on long-term resilience. Her resilience work started in 2006. She was doing aid work after an earthquake in India. This got Laureline thinking about the impacts of climate change. And you could see how people were somehow already struggling, not somehow, they were just already struggling with the difficulty of the work, with the irregularity of the rain, with the fact that the crops yield had been decreasing over the years and the population had still increased. And so when I started working on climate change, which was more on mitigation in the beginning, I couldn't really shake off the vision of particularly vulnerable women and children who would be just so worse off, like their lives was hard enough. And that was not going to get any better with climate change. I was interested in how yeah, different population groups were differently vulnerable to the impacts of climate change and how that should be integrated into policies and initiatives because we're really talking about lives destroyed and family torn apart and displaced population and loss of identity and culture in the process. And this is, this is a very human reality. This is something, this is it's not technical. I currently live in North America. I have health insurance and insurance for my car and my home. I have air conditioning in the summer and heat in the winter. I have the security that comes from a two-earner household I hear about the devastating impacts of climate change in other parts of the USA and then in poorer parts of the world, and suddenly my needs feel heady. Should I dismiss the emotional strain climate work has on me? I recounted to Laura Lane an incident that took place last year on an online climate forum. A climate scientist shared his research about an Inuit community in the Arctic Circle. This community faced difficulties due to a warmer climate. Their way of life has been changing rapidly. They needed to find ways to cope with these changes. Our participant raised a question about the emotional strain on the community. They then wondered about the emotional strain on climate workers doing research like this. The researcher completely dismissed both concerns, saying something like, you just have to learn how to deal with these things. First, I would not really have been surprised by the, by the very dismissive uh, behavior you discussed because there are so many places where people work on climate change where emotions are absolutely taboo. 
And I say that after having worked, you know, in large organizations who had like very clear climate change mandates and having worked as part of the team supporting the international climate negotiations. So having been in COPs and intersessional meetings and climate ne- international climate negotiations where you don't necessarily have lots of space also, you know, just for sadness or grief or overwhelm. The space that is usually uh, kept for like the, like the serious talks, you know, where, where the serious work is happening, uh, whether it's going to be this, where the science is going to be discussed or where, yeah, where decisions are going to be made. So you really need to tend to those emotions because all emotions that are not being addressed will have an impact and, on the way you think, on the way you feel. Acknowledging those emotions, understanding where they come from and how they can be felt, because oftentimes emotions just need to be felt, and how you can be supported through this process of feeling those emotions is critical. And there is no doubt that fear is very pervasive in, in this work that we're doing. And it can lead to like a, like very combative positions, you know, very polarized positions because people are afraid or like they feel that threat. Climate change can be defined like as a major trauma we're going through because it's, it's threatening our own survival. It can also trigger like threat responses or trauma responses. And if you're not aware of this phenomena and how you're going to react to a threat, fight, flight, or freeze, and how this plays out in the negotiation processes or in the design of projects, then you're likely to just keep designing projects or processes around those lines. You're either fighting climate change or you're just complacent to it or you're just trying to not think about it. To help meet the emotional needs of fellow climate workers, Laura Lee now hosts a weekly online gathering. Both the Climate Workers Circle and the Youth Climate Circles were created as like safe spaces for people to come and express all the emotions that they feel in relation to climate change or that they associate with climate change and how it affects their life, you know, whether it's their personal life or their professional life. So it's a space where you can really like talk about everything. So it can be the overwhelm, the frustration, the fear, the anger, the sadness, the grief, but also any positive or so-called positive emotion that you would feel related to the discovery of a new approach or an organization that's doing great work in the field. Yeah, we allow people to feel that all emotions because oftentimes we don't allow ourselves to feel it. So this is a space dedicated for that and share them with other people who are usually either working in the field or worried about climate change or concerned about climate change in different ways, and who will come with their own stories and experiences and emotions. It's a pretty simple setup, I would say, but many participants have felt the benefits of just being able to to express all those emotions, I mean, some of which had been buried inside of them for a very long time. It's also interesting to see the diversity of this group of people, you know, working on those topics and how we are all in a way a community of purpose, whether we we know it or not. The hour-long Climate Workers Circle takes place every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. I first found out about it through Eventbrite, and I so far have attended two meetings. I have met wonderful people from around the world and learned about some really cool projects I didn't even know existed. Doing climate work is a privilege. And I love Laura Lane Simon's perspective on this. 
working on climate change is something that we can all do. It doesn't have to be a painful experience. I think there are many ways in which we can address climate change, certainly more with more impact and in a way that is more engaging to a broader community if we turn it around and if we don't look at it as just like trying to limit the risks of getting to a space where we don't, we don't want to be, but if we look at it as trying to create a world where we really want to live in. And you can talk about a stronger relationship to nature, more care between people, more inter intergenerational connection, a better understanding of our emotions and of our body so that we're able to be fully present for one another. The website where you can learn more about Laura Lane, her team, and the many resources they offer, check out oneresilientearth.org. Coming up, hear how artists can get recharged by stepping away from their work. Susan Curry helps us tap into the superflow. Plus, Tamara Staten with the new Resiliency Corner and Flannery Winchester with good news. Stay tuned. Are you looking to improve your skills as a climate communicator? To increase your impact in your community and beyond? Or maybe get a brush up on climate change science basics? Citizens Climate offers free online trainings. You can choose from pre-recorded interactive trainings that you go through at your own pace, or join us Tuesdays and Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern time for live trainings. To see a list of our trainings, visit community.citizensclimate.org. At the top of the screen, click on resources and trainings. There you'll find a link to all training topics. That website, again, is community.citizensclimate.org. Now it is time for the Art House. Every month I chat with artists who address climate change through their art. But what happens when an artist gets stuck? How do we get unstuck? This is what Susan Curry considers in her new book, Superflow, Light Up the Artist in You. I am one of these people, I have a library of different, you know, art books and guidebooks, all sorts of how-to books that I've accumulated through the years. They're wonderful, they've brought me much, but I feel like some of them are just too heavy. They're too much of an investment. We live in a different world today. People don't have that kind of time to sit there and go through a laborious process and, and stick with it. So I really tried to, uh, with the book, speak in a voice that was accessible. The practices are as well. Every chapter is designed to be concise, get right to the point, to be accessible, and also uh, to have something simple that you can practice. As an artist herself, Susan knows the kind of challenges artists face. There's so much pressure to just nail things technically, to dive in, start creating work, start producing credits. A big portion of what we do as artists has to come from a place where we have quieted the mind. It comes from the Tibetan translation of the word enlightenment, which actually incorporates two words, the first one being sang, S-A-N-G, which translates to clearing away. The second term is Gaia, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, it's G-Y-E-Y, -E and that translates to bringing forth. Big part of my transformation is just taking that time beforehand to compose, to empty the mind, 
to get back to your true nature before you pick up the camera or the paintbrush and allow that first portion, that song portion, to take all the time that it needs. I really cannot stress enough this idea of just stepping off the task from time to time. Relax your, your posture, both in the physical sense and, and in otherwise, and just allow yourself a reset. Give yourself the gift of that space to, to compose, you know, the mind and, and the heart. The step away is an essential part of Superflow. Take the time to really find a way to make that a priority, that whether it's a practice or it's a place that you go to, and make that a non-negotiable in your day. And I, and I know that many people don't have the luxury of being able to set aside, you know, two weeks to have a, a reset, a creative reset or a mental health reset, but there's always the opportunity to take stock in, in your day to day and take a look at how you're allocating your 24 hours and see if you can identify some space there, make some edits, subtract some of those things that are making less of you rather than making more. And, and maybe identify, I like to call it like a slice of the day as a golden hour. And it could be 20 minutes. It could be five minutes. But just make that a non-negotiable, a time that you step away, work on your inward clearing and breathing and just getting back to your true nature, your true self, your true inspiration. And just like everyone doing climate work, artists need to connect with others. Community ties provide opportunities for us to be supported and to support others. We can all benefit, regardless of the work we're doing, of the nature of the work we're doing, the medium, by finding some community. Maybe other artists in your area, whether it's remote or in person and just kind of gather with them and swap stories and, and breathe and maybe laugh a little. Susan recognizes how much the climate movement needs art. I really believe in an art-drenched world, especially as we emerge from this cloudy chapter we've been in here. So, uh, you know, art to the rescue has been my <laughs> affirmation as of late, and I guess I'll just leave you with that. The book is Superflow. Light Up the Artist in You. It is written by Susan Curry and published by Shanti Arts. It's available wherever you get books. Learn more about Susan Curry, see her photography, and read her poetry at susancurrycreative.com. Curry is spelled C-U-R-R-I-E. susancurrycreative.com. If you have an idea for the art house, feel free to contact me, radio, at citizensclimate.org. Hi, I'm Tamara Staten, CCL's Education and Resilience Coordinator, and this is the Resilience Corner. I want to do everything I can to see that you have what you need to stay strong and steady in the important climate work that you're doing. In the corner today, we're going to define resilience and consider five key steps to building and deepening our own resilience. So what is this resilience concept that we hear so much about lately? Resilience is our ability to bounce back from challenges and propel ourselves forward into what matters most. Building resilience helps us avoid burnout, 
It keeps us on course through the highs and the lows, helping us to maintain a sense of ease and possibility. It's like calling and meeting with Congress again and again, month after month, year after year, asking for a price on carbon. Being resilient allows us to keep going through the disappointment of a missing price. Yeah, we may be excited about passing the largest climate bill in American history, but we might also feel overwhelmed about what's missing and how much work still remains. Resilience allows us to make space for both the celebration and the defeat. There are so many ways to build resilience, and there's no one right formula. But as humans, it helps to have a place to start and a guide to follow. If I were to boil resilience building down to five steps, they would be these. Notice, accept, seek help, practice, and repeat. Let me share a few details. First of all, notice what you're needing, feeling, or experiencing right now. Make it a regular thing to check in about your needs and feelings and experiences. Second, accept that what you need is what you need. Allow yourself to be free from judgment about what that means about you or your upbringing or your surroundings. Third, seek help with those needs that you struggle to meet yourself. Again, do this to the best of your ability without judging yourself. What you need may be bigger than what you can do for yourself, and that's part of the normal human experience. Fourth, practice meeting your needs. This step is likely the heaviest lift for most of us, the one that we'll likely spend the most time and energy on. It will naturally look different for everyone, and it may take some trial and error to see what will meet your needs and how. And last, but certainly not least, repeat these five steps regularly. Check in with yourself and assess the process to see how you might fine tune and improve it. Look to a variety of resources, which can help mix things up for your brain and pave your way to success. You might notice that I didn't label this list as five simple steps to building resilience. While there are a variety of ways to build resilience and help ourselves bounce forward from challenges, it's certainly not a straightforward process. Each of these steps can actually feel quite challenging or overwhelming, especially for those aspects that are new to us. Starting small can make a huge difference, though, as with most things in life. The best way to climb a mountain is to start with the first step, right? As a reminder, the five steps to deepening resilience are noticing, accepting, seeking help, practicing, and repeating the process regularly. Next month, we'll take a closer look at noticing and accepting what we're needing, feeling, and experiencing in any particular moment. In fact, you can begin right now just by thinking about how you're really doing and making space for your authentic experience. Doing this will help you tune into what you need to stay strong and steady in the important climate work that you're doing because no pressure, but we really need you. I'm Tamara Staten with the Resilience Corner. To learn more about tools, trainings, and resources for deepening resilience, check out our Resilience Hub 
at cclusa.org forward slash resilience. You might also consider connecting with CCL's Resilience Building Action Team on that same page. And until next month, remember this, you are strong, you are resilient, and you've got what it takes to make good things happen. Thank you, Tamara. The Resiliency Hub website is cclusa.org slash resilience. Our good news story today comes from Flannery Winchester, Communications Director at Citizens Climate Lobby. Hi, Peterson. Thanks for having me on today to talk about the Inflation Reduction Act. So I want to touch on what this bill has to offer for folks on both the right and the left of the political spectrum. But first, anybody would be encouraged to know that this is a really, really big step forward in the fight against climate change. It will help reduce America's carbon emissions 40% by 2030. So it gets us close to, but not quite all the way, to our Paris commitment of 50% reductions by 2030. We still need additional policies to move us even faster to clean energy, even faster emissions reductions, and CCL is working on that. But this is a crucial step forward for Congress, which had been unable to agree on major solutions for several decades before now. But a few benefits of the bill that will appeal to folks really anywhere on the political spectrum. First, this bill saves lives. It will save an estimated 180,000 American lives by 2030 through improved air quality alone due to transitioning to clean energy. Next, the bill saves dollars. By 2030, every American household will save $200 per year thanks to lower electricity costs. And that's without even taking advantage of any rebates or credits to go green. That's just costs coming down for everybody. So that's really cool. And last, the Inflation Reduction Act is going to speed up the deployment of clean electricity, electric cars. It's really going to transform our economy. And the estimates are showing that by 2030, about a million new jobs will be created across the country in clean energy, clean manufacturing, building retrofits, that sort of thing. Saving lives, saving money, creating jobs. Love all that. And then the bill also has benefits for a variety of communities, which will appeal to folks on the left and the right accordingly. For one, disadvantaged communities who face major health and environmental challenges already due to pollution and climate change, they're going to get money for community-led projects, equitable transportation access, reduced pollution at transportation hubs, railways, airports, and near schools, which is a big one. And they're also going to get grants to make affordable housing more energy efficient. And the estimates say that over 20,000 jobs will be created in those disadvantaged communities to support those programs. Also in rural communities who are already seeing the land in and around their areas being just ravaged by the climate impacts that we're already seeing, they're going to get money for firefighters for making their communities more resilient to wildfires. They're going to get money for drought assistance, grants to electric co-ops to retire their coal-fired power plants and move to clean energy sources. And again, the estimates are showing lots of jobs. More than 69,000 jobs will be created in rural communities to support those programs. And there's even investments in conservation programs that help farmers and ranchers store carbon in the soil and in trees, reduce their methane emissions. 
Farmers are expected to see benefits of over $400 million each year thanks to better crop yields because of reduced fossil fuel pollution. There's some really exciting measures in this bill for the climate, but also for all different types of communities across the country. Thank you so much, Flannery. If you have good news you want to share on our show, email me, radio at citizensclimate.org. That's radio at citizensclimate.org. Thank you so much for joining me for episode 76 of Citizens Climate Radio. Next month, we hear Julio Cochoy's story of growing up during Guatemala's civil war. As a teen, he saw the impacts of war on his country. Now in a time of peace, he witnesses similar impacts because of climate change. You will also learn about an ethical modeling agency run by a fashion model passionate about addressing climate change. Citizens Climate Radio is written and produced by me, Peter Santoscano. Other technical support from Ricky Bradley and Brett Cease. Social media assistance from Ashley Hunt Monterano, Flannery Winchester, Katie Zarkreski, and Steve Volk. Moral support from Madeline Para. Citizens Climate Radio is a project of Citizens Climate Education. Host and design educator Eric Benson interviews acclaimed climate scientists and sustainability experts to find out how designers can help combat the climate crisis in their college classrooms. The discussions on this program are geared to help you climify your syllabi to assign projects that not only teach design fundamentals, but also can have a positive impact on our climate. You can find Climify on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you want to join the conversation and become a climate designer, you can follow the show on Instagram at Climify Podcast or head over to our great teaching resources at climatedesigners.org slash edu.